Hello children, welcome to Coast Access Radio Storytime. My name is Vivian Bailey. Today we're continuing with Barking Mad by New Zealand writer Tom E. Moffat. Remember we left Finn and Sally, her sister's body, and Sally in Finn's body. Interesting. Chapter 4, The Perfect Present I hope you both have a good day, said Mum as she waved us off at the school gate. Try not to worry too much about Grandad. I'm sure he's in very safe hands at the hospital. The only response I could manage was a half-smile, and that's more than Sally ever does anyway. I looked round to see what she was doing with my body, and she didn't even bother to respond. She just grabbed my bag and marched into school without saying goodbye. I was used to Sally being rude and annoying, but if she acted like that in my body, my reputation would be in tatters. This whole situation was a disaster. I quickly followed myself around the corner and away from the crowds of people arriving at school. It was funny seeing Fingers Butterby from the outside. I looked a lot shorter than I usually feel, and my feet seemed way too big for my body. When we were far enough away from everyone, he spun around and glared up at me with a moody, teenager look. Fingers, if you mess anything up today, I swear I'll kill you, he said, and it looked like he really meant it. At least I wasn't the only one who was worried about what people might think. Perhaps if I made Sally aware of how much damage I could do to her life, she might go easy on mine. The problem was, I didn't have a clue about what my sister got up to at school every day. I am in year five, which is in the junior school, but my sister is in year nine. I'd only ever been over to the secondary school for Christmas shows. Sally, however, was a junior just a few years ago, so she knew exactly where my classroom was. She even knew my teacher, Mrs Higman, who had been teaching at the school since dinosaurs roamed the playground. This was going to be way harder for me than it was for Sally. "'What have you got today?' Sally asked. "'I don't know,' I said. "'My timetable is in my bag, but I think I have a maths test.' "'That's fine,' said Sally, with a know-it-all face. "'That didn't suit me at all. "'How hard can the junior school be?' "'What have you got, then?' I asked. "'If silly Sally could do it every single day,' then it couldn't be that difficult. I have maths first period with Mr McCarty in D14, then English with Miss Wright in F11. After break I have French in E7, then music in D10. This afternoon I have PE in the gym, followed by science in Lab 3. Ah, I said, trying to get my head around everything. So, it's maths in D11 with Mrs McCarty, then... No, it's D14, Mr McCarty. This is never going to work. I need to find help, said Sally, looking around frantically until she spotted a tall, dark-haired girl who was walking past. Angie, she called way more loudly than I would ever have shouted at a year nine girl. Angie looked at me and then at Sally, obviously wondering why her friend's little brother was talking to her. My sister had a really big bump on the head this morning 
and is a little bit confused. Could you please look after her today and make sure she gets to the right classes? And don't worry about her. We have a doctor's appointment this evening, so everything should be back to normal tomorrow. Angie looked a bit confused, but she smiled kindly at her classmate. I had to hand it to Sally. She might be very annoying, but she can also be annoyingly clever. Sure, come on, Sally, Angie said, taking hold of my girly arm. Don't want to be late. As I was led away into the unknown in my sister's body, I glanced over my shoulder and saw myself hurrying off confidently in the direction of primary. Finger's shirt was tucked in, and his hips were moving from side to side, just like a girl. I envisaged him skipping around the playground, holding hands with all the girls from my class, and it gave me a very nasty feeling in my stomach. I really hope Sally didn't do anything too embarrassing, or I would never live it down. However, right then, I had other things to be worrying about. Angie was leading me through buildings and corridors I had never even seen before, until she eventually stopped next to a set of lockers. She punched in a code to open her padlock and started frantically pulling books out. Aren't you going to get your maths and English books? she asked, as I just stood there staring at her. Er, I said, grateful for my sister's bump on the head idea. Which one is mine again? Wow, Angie said, you really did get a bump on the head. She pointed at a locker on the top row, which fortunately did not need a combination. I looked in Sally's bag found a small key and let myself into my sister's locker. It was actually really exciting. Sally spends her whole life trying to stop me from getting anywhere near her stuff. She has a sign on her bedroom door saying, No brothers allowed. And she always goes running to our parents if I ever so much as look into her room. Yet here I was about to go through her locker. I imagined it stuffed full of diaries and photos and fluffy pink teddies. However, the first thing I noticed was how tidy it was. The books were all standing up in size order, and there wasn't a single scrap of paper or piece of rubbish. There were girly stickers all over the inside of her locker. Hearts and boy bands and things. But that wasn't exactly surprising, knowing my sister's terrible taste. Then I saw something very interesting written in tiny writing on the back of the locker door. It said, I love Steve Swindon. Steve Swindon? No way. He's the captain of the school football team and is way too cool for someone like Sally. I couldn't believe my luck. I could annoy Sally for the rest of her life with ammunition like that. I noticed that Angie was waiting impatiently with a pile of books in her hands, so I quickly grabbed the same books that she had and closed the locker. I followed her down several more corridors until we entered a room in which everyone was already seated and listening to the teacher. Good afternoon, girls, said a young male teacher with a fake smile and immaculate hair. He'd only said three words, 
but I took an instant disliking to him. You're not your usual punch yourselves today. Angie walked all the way to the front of the class, but there was a spare seat right at the back, so I sat in it and put my books on the desk. The teacher's mouth dropped open, ruining his fake smile, and for a second he looked truly offended. You don't want to sit at the front of the class today, Sally? he asked. No thanks, I said, and several of the boys, who were also sitting at the back, sniggered into their hands. The teacher looked a little flustered for a second, then he rearranged his tie and carried on talking, and talking, and talking. I listened to him drone on about statistics for about a minute before I started taking in the scenery. The classroom was way bigger than my class, but it was really dull. The desks were arranged in rows, and there was nothing on the walls except some faded old posters. When I looked around at the other students, I noticed that nearly all of the boys were sitting at the back of the classroom and looked about as bored as I was, whereas the girls were sitting very close to the front and were actually paying attention. The teacher, Mr McCarty, was still rattling on, and by that point I couldn't understand a word that he was saying. Now turn to page 276 and answer questions 1 to 14, he said, eventually remembering that kids go to school to do work. I opened the book, but didn't have a clue what I was supposed to do. Even in the junior school, maths was my worst subject by far, so I didn't stand a chance in year 9. There were more symbols and numbers, and I didn't know what a single one meant. I looked around and saw that everyone was busily writing, so I picked up a pen and turned to a fresh page in my sister's notebook. I wrote the date and title as neatly as I could, but handwriting has never been a strong point either. Compared with Sally's beautifully sloped script, mine looked like something a monkey had written. It didn't seem to matter, though. Mr McCarty was still sitting at his desk, working on his computer. If the teacher wasn't even going to look at it, I thought I might as well have some fun. So, I started writing. I love Steve Swindon, and decorating the page with hearts. By the time the bell rang for next class, I had written it 74 times. I closed the book, dropped it into Sally's bag, and hurried out of the room after Angie. Ha! This was turning out to be quite good fun. Angie led me to another room where we had English, and this time we both sat at the back. After a few minutes, a really young female teacher arrived. In the junior school, all the teachers are ancient. It seems that older teachers teach younger students, and younger teachers teach older students. I wondered if it ever reached a stage where the teachers were actually younger than the students. Good morning, said Miss Wright, and I was sure that the boys responded much louder than the girls. She then started talking at us about the present perfect tense and how you needed to use past participle verbs. This time at least I could vaguely follow what she was going on about, but it didn't seem to matter anyway. She asked an occasional question, but if you didn't put your hand up, 
she didn't even notice you. After about a million years, she asked us to write ten present perfect sentences in our books, underlining our use of the past participle. The chances were that Sally was doing everything she could to make my life hell, so I figured I needed to get payback. Or was it pay forward? I grabbed a pen and in my neatest monkey writing wrote things like I have been in love with Steve Swindon for a long time. However, he has never even noticed me. Therefore, I have spent every night this week crying into my pillow. For possibly the first time in my life, I was still working away happily when the bell rang for break time. I couldn't believe how easy secondary school was. It was brilliant. Not one teacher had even looked at my work yet. Perhaps this day wasn't going to be too hard after all. Chapter 5. Utter Glee At break time, I drank a cup of coffee, something I was not allowed to do in the junior school with Angie and some other girls. Sally even paid for everyone's drinks, which was very nice of her. Then Angie led me to French class. I expected the classroom to be like a foreign country, with everyone chatting away in unfamiliar tones, yet it was just like any other lesson. The teacher said, Bonjour, instead of hello, then gave out a worksheet and disappeared behind her computer. Angie and I just sat at the back and whispered quietly to each other, what would be doing in music? I asked, finding myself much more interested in my day than I usually was. I can't believe you have forgotten, said Angie. There must have been some bump. Everyone's been looking forward to these duets all week. Duets? She had to be kidding. I'm even worse at singing than I am at maths. Yeah, Mr Hudson's going to pair us up, and we have to perform a song to the class. Angie said, then she looked up at the ceiling and let out a long sigh. I hope he puts me with either Tane Heroa or Steve Swindon. The thought of singing in front of the whole class made me feel physically sick. But imagine if I got paired up with Steve Swindon. I'd be able to make Sally's life a living nightmare. Obviously I would still have to sing a duet, but it wasn't really me who had to worry about that. This was Sally's body, after all. The worse job I did, the more it would annoy Sally. It was a win-win situation. I spent the rest of French class trying to convince myself that it would be okay. At one point I caught myself chewing my fingernails, which is something I always do when I get nervous. Then I realised that I was actually chewing my sister's fingernails. Ew! I said loudly and I leaned over and spat on the floor a couple of times. When I sat back up, I saw that the whole class was staring at me in silence. Whoops. Um, sorry, I said slowly. A fly just went in my mouth. The teacher looked horrified and muttered something in French that didn't sound like a compliment. By the time we arrived at the music room, I had nearly lost my nerve. All of the other students seemed huge 
and the thought of singing in front of them was almost too much. Yet I had to make the most of the situation. I might never have such a good opportunity to bother Sally again. The teacher, Mr Hudson, made us get into a warm-up circle and told us to copy everything he did. He started off by swinging his arms around and stretching his neck from side to side. For a second, I thought we were preparing to play rugby. Then he began quacking like a duck. Quack, 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 he said loudly. Quack, 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 the circle echoed back to him. Grrrr, growled Mr Hudson, sounding like a lion about to pounce on a duck. Grrrr, the class roared back. It was absolutely brilliant. We chirped and meowed and even had to yodel at one point. In my own body and my own classroom, I would have been way too embarrassed to join in. But I didn't care at all if my sister looked stupid. In fact, I wanted her to look stupid. I copied the teacher as loudly and enthusiastically as I could, and I couldn't remember ever having more fun at school. For a finale, he made the whole class bark and howl freely, like wild dogs. It was the best bit, until I remembered why I was there, trapped in my sister's body. Da Vinci was stuck in the hospital, in Grandad's body, and who knew what crazy things he was getting up to. I really hoped that we could get him back to the mind-swapping machine before he did any more damage to Grandad's life. Great work, everyone, said Mr Hudson, especially you, Sally. My goodness! That was quite spectacular. I had never had a word like spectacular used to describe me before. At least, not in a positive way. It actually made me feel pretty good, but I just gave a silly smile and hoped that everyone was secretly laughing at Sally, just like my friends would have done if someone had tried that hard in our class. Now comes the moment you have all been waiting for, said Mr Hudson dramatically. You have all proven your ability to sing solo, but can you pull off a duet? You have the rest of this lesson to practice, as well as break times and lunch times, should you so desire. Then, next week, you will perform to the whole class. Excited whispers echoed around the room as Mr Hudson fiddled with his computer. This couldn't be better. I was sure to be back to my normal self by next week so I could muck around in the practice and leave Sally to flounder in front of the class. I could even tell her the wrong song if I was feeling particularly vindictive. Here are the songs that you can choose from, said Mr Hudson, projecting a long list onto the whiteboard. Once you have chosen your partner and song, grab an iPad and start learning it. Sally, you have been trying very hard today, so you can choose first. I couldn't believe my luck. Nothing like that ever happened to me in the junior school. In fact, I was usually the last to be chosen for everything. I didn't recognise many of the songs, but that didn't matter, as I wouldn't really have to sing it. So I decided to pick one with an appropriate name. I battered my eyelids, put on a husky voice and said, Steve Swindon, you're the one that I want. Everyone in the class burst out laughing. 
except for Steve, that is. He just turned bright red and looked down at his shoes, which were shifting uncomfortably. I picked up an iPad in one hand and grabbed Steve's arm in the other, dancing him over to the far side of the room. Sally would actually die if she saw how I, sorry, she, was behaving. This was awesome. I couldn't believe how much fun you could have if you didn't care what other people thought of you. Not surprisingly, Steve didn't look like he was enjoying himself quite as much. He perched himself on the corner of a desk and started fiddling with a strap on his bag. He looked as though he'd rather be in detention than doing a duet with Sally, but who could blame him? When I found You're the One That I Want on YouTube, I was disappointed to realise that Sally knew it. In fact, she more than knew it, she loved it. They sang it on Glee, which was her favourite thing in the whole world. She'd watched it so much that even I knew most of the words. If I was going to make this difficult for her, I'd have to mix things up a bit. I've got an idea, Stevie, I said, still using my husky voice. Why don't I do the boy part, and you do the girl part? A smile actually crossed Steve's face, and I couldn't quite work out if that was a good or a bad thing. I suppose that could work, he said. When we started singing, I made my voice as rough as I could, not caring at all if I hit the right note. I've got chills, they're multiplying, and I'm losing control. Steve did a sexy dance around me before hitting his lines as quickly as he could. You better shape up. Cause I need a man and my heart is set on you. It took four or five attempts before we could make it through the whole song without one of us disintegrating into laughter. By then, we had both the dance moves and the singing just right. I was actually slightly disappointed when the bell rang for lunch. By the huge smile on Angie's face, things had clearly gone pretty well for her too. She had been paired up with Tani Haroa and spent the entire break talking about how amazing he was. It wasn't until after lunch that I encountered my first real problem. I had followed Angie around unquestioningly all day long, so I didn't give it a second thought when we collected our PE kits and walked towards the gym. It was only when she disappeared into the changing room that the reality hit me. She went into the girls' changing room. There was no way I was going in there. I'm a boy. Well, usually. I didn't want to see a load of girls getting changed. And even worse than that, I didn't want to look down and see my sister in her underwear. That's so gross. So what did I do? I froze. Angie slipped through the door with the picture of the girl on it, and I just froze in the doorway. I tried pretending to tie my shoe, then realised I didn't have any shoelaces, so I rummaged around in Sally's bag. A few minutes later, Angie poked her head around the door. She was already dressed in her P.E. kit. "'What's wrong, Sally?' she asked. "'Are you, are you not coming in?' Um, I said, not for the first time. "'I don't feel so good.' I know it wasn't great, but it was the best I could come up with at short notice. Is it because of the bump to your head? She asked sympathetically. Perhaps you should go to the nurse. That's an excellent idea, I said, a little too enthusiastically. 
The nurse was the same for both junior and secondary, so I knew exactly where her office was. I'll see you later then, said Angie, with a smile that made her look even prettier than normal. She was actually really nice for a girl. I certainly wouldn't have survived this long in secondary school without her. Yeah, I said, and thanks for all your help today. Then I turned around and got out of there before she could see how much I was blushing. As I walked towards the nurse's office, I began to notice another problem. I really needed the toilet. I shouldn't have had that large coffee, because there was no way I was going to go to the toilet in my sister's body. That would be disgusting. I pushed open the door to the nurse's room, and the first person I saw there was myself. Finn Butterby was sitting in one of the comfy chairs, reading a magazine that was way too girly for my liking. "'What are you doing here?' I whispered. "'Swimming,' Sally said, after she had gotten over the initial shock of seeing herself walk into the room. "'You?' "'P.E.' I said, and Sally nodded approvingly. When the nurse eventually came over to me, and I told her the bump-on-the-head story, she looked a bit confused. "'Both of you?' she asked. "'Whoops! I hadn't thought to ask Sally what excuse she had used.' "'Yes,' said Sally quickly. "'We were moving something at our granddad's house this morning, "'and we tripped and banged heads. "'You can ask our mum if you like. She was there.' "'All right, I'll do just that,' the nurse said uncertainly, "'and she popped into the other room. "'Sally and I sat in silence until she came back. "'Well, your mum seems to think you might be telling the truth this time.' "'So she is going to come and collect you,' the nurse said. "'She'll be here in ten minutes. "'She wants you to meet her in the car park.' "'Great! We could get home nice and early, "'go to Grandad's, and get ourselves back into our own bodies.' "'Sally looked as relieved as I felt. "'We had to try our hardest not to smile "'as we said our farewells to the nurse, "'signed our names in the leaving book, and left her office.' Then, as we were heading towards the car park, I saw the senior football team walking across the field with Steve Swindon in the lead. This time there was no way I could contain my smile. Steve Swindon, I called out in my gravelly voice. You're the one that I want. The whole football team turned to face us and Sally froze, staring at me with the angriest expression that had ever crossed my face. Without saying a word to each other, Steve and I broke into our dance routine. He twirled me round a few times before I howled the first line of our song without hitting a single note correctly. I've got chills, they're multiplying, and I'm losing control. By the time we had finished the song, the whole football team was clapping and cheering loudly. Surely Sally's reputation was completely ruined now. See you later, Stevie, I called over my shoulder as I walked off. Yeah, bye, Sally, Steve said, still in a high-pitched voice. I looked over at Sally and was amazed to see that my own face could turn such a brilliant shade of red. Mmm, changing bodies has sure caused problems, hasn't it? Though I think Finn is a bit mean to his sister. Maybe she'll get back at him in the next chapters. We'll continue with this story next time, when we start Chapter 6, Pause for Thought. Bye for now. Happy reading.
This programme is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.